Welcome listeners to episode 20 of the Running Guide podcast, where our aim to provide informative content and interviews with elite athletes from around the world, like in today's episode, where I'm chatting to a previous guest of the show back in episode 9, who has just set the Australian fastest men's marathon qualifying time for the Tokyo Olympics in a very cold and wet Lake Biwa, running a personal best time of 2.10.48. Welcome to the Running Guide podcast once again, Liam Adams. Cheers for having me. Oh, mate. Really, really happy to be talking to you, mate. Um, you've got to be a happy boy, mate, 2.10.48. Oh, definitely, yeah, very happy. Um, it kind of felt like the running gods were against me and, yeah, just managed to get a good sold time out there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, very happy. Finally a 2.10 guy, mate. It's sort of been on the, on the cards there for a while, mate, but, yeah, it must feel fantastic to finally get it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I felt like I should have been running 2.10 yeah quite a few years ago but i don't know i just seem to always have bad luck so yeah, yeah definitely good to be finally there yeah yeah no for sure look um i sort of want to talk about train bike leading the biwa but uh, i'm sure the listeners like me are pretty eager to hear about race day so we'll um sort of dive straight into that now um it was freezing cold and raining um they call you out on the track for the start you're all sort of jumping around trying to stay warm and, and not seize up and then uh the starter raises his pistol and all your fingers hover over the start button on your watches and then uh, what happens, mate? Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, it was supposed to be actually all right conditions for the race. Um, during the week leading up, it was saying it was going to be roughly 10 to 12 degrees. There's going to be a little bit of rain, but no wind and stuff like that. Um, when I woke up in the morning, I, I could hear from my hotel room, I was on about level 19 or level 20, uh, it sounded like waves were crashing uh, on the lake and looked out the window and it was probably the first time I'd seen waves crashing on the um, just the edge of the lake. So, um, yeah, I went, grabbed my phone, looked at what the conditions were going to be and the wind had increased and it was raining a lot more than it was supposed to. So, yeah, we, we had absolutely shocking conditions. Um, yeah, that start, it it was strange. They held us for so long, we didn't have a clue why they were holding us. Um, the guy had his hand up like he was going to fire, so we're all standing there for about maybe five or so minutes um, we got called up to the line earlier, but mm. we were standing in the get ready set position for about five minutes <laughs> and yeah, we didn't know what was happening. And then they called us off the track after that. And during that time, my back was stiffening up because it was just so wet and cold. The wind was hitting it and, um, we went, went underneath. They said that they were going to start the race in 10 minutes time. So a lot of people were trying to find heaters and stuff like that to keep warm and I don't know, I went and uh I went on a search to try and find a poncho <laughs> and uh yeah, found a poncho that someone had just discarded and um used that to try and keep warm and kept that on for a couple of K in the first few K because it was pretty cold. Yeah, yeah, look I, I chose uh to run on the treadmill that morning mate so i could uh watch the live stream that was on youtube and uh yeah i was watching all that unfold and uh yeah i sort of had a bit of a chuckle and all you guys are having a bit of a chuckle about it. i guess if anything it sort of uh eased some of the the pre-race nerves you know what i mean but um yeah i saw you come back out with a poncho and made your way back in the lane one mate get right into the lane one position and, yeah uh, yeah and then uh you took off kept wearing it and then it was um like a couple of k's in i saw you sort of ditch it but yeah 
Yeah. Well, there was a when they first got us out on the track, there was an order that we were supposed to be in. Oh, okay. And I was my number put me in I think about the third row, and I was like just off the left, and it was a pretty good position, and I was very happy with that. But when, once we came back on, I'm just like, oh, I need to get this spot, and there wasn't much fighting for the position, so it's kind of good. I knew that it was kind of chaotic that first um, 600 meters because we do a lap of the track and then out of mm. the track. So yeah. if I'm on the inside and I'm right up the front, I'm going to be up, right up there with the pace. And um, a few guys tried to run straight across, straight into lane one, and I just held my position. So yeah. Yeah. I just put my hand up so that anyone who ran into me ran straight into my arm. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Held, held my position well and, yeah, just sat in, had a good sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. You were sort of um, up the front early on there in the, in the front six, I guess, and they were running sort of 207 pace. So I think they were dropping low 303 yeah. averages. Um, yeah, they um, for that first K, they actually went out pretty slow. I think yep. I think I saw on the clock um, on the car said something like about a three – 3.11 first K or mm-hmm. something like that. So I think the pacemakers must have been under instruction because they were supposed to do three-minute Ks and everyone was told not to go ahead of the pacemakers. Mm-hmm. And um, the first K was in 3.11. So I think they were instructed to slow it down because pretty much that 20 minutes or so that we had waiting out in the cold, mm-hmm. um, we'd pretty much rendered our warm-up useless. So yep. um I think we were kind of slowly building into it. And once that happened, they started ramping it up probably about after about 5K. They started running three-minute Ks. And then after that, they were trying to make up the the seconds that they lost at the start. So I think they were dropping maybe two 257s, 255s from about um, 15K onwards for a bit. So, yeah, yeah, I just thought that heat, that yeah. pace was too hot for me. Yeah, that's right. I was going to ask that. Yeah, they, they started showing the 1K splits, and uh, yeah, there, there was some 258s popping up probably before the 10K mark. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you seem to be sort of up there. I mean, it's a good little group. You're sort of in the front line, like I said, then slowly sort of um, made your way to, to the rear of that front pack um, up to it. Still, you're still there for about 7 or 8K, possibly. Um, you don't more than me, yeah. and then you sort of eventually just slowly start to drop off the back there. Was that? Was that? Just the decision that, okay, they're starting to drop some sub-threes, I better do the smart thing and run my pace? Or did you, did you ever think maybe I should stick with them for longer? Or what was the sort of mindset there? Yeah, well, that was definitely running through my head at the time. Um, I knew that the pace had picked up and I was feeling pretty good. Um, and I think I was with them. I was kind of slowly going backwards in the pack, mm. um, trying to keep my own pace. And I think it might have been around the 15K mark where it was just getting a little bit too quick. And I thought um, there's people started to be spat out the back of the pack. And I thought maybe that they were also going to think of doing what I was doing, as in like try and run your own. Mm. pace mm. and try and keep it even but um and that was the plan i thought well i've got the two options go with the pack or run my own pace and i thought all right 
run my own pace because I could blow up pretty hard and just completely stuff up my chances of trying to qualify. So um, I went went to my pace and found some people around me which were running the same pace as me, which I thought were running the same pace. And I don't know, I kept finding myself that finding that their pace, they had pretty much been spat out the back because they're blown up. They mm. weren't trying to run it even. So sure. um, the thing with uh, this race, and I guess it might be a lot of Japanese running, um, they go out a bit kamikaze, so a bit too quick at the start and they blow up pretty hard. So yeah. yep. um, I think the story that I've heard for this race is there's a lot of guys trying to run a fast half marathon. Mm-hmm. And that if they run a fast half marathon, it helps them get into these Eckert and Relay teams, their corporate teams. So um, I think their emphasis is trying to run a fast split through halfway. And then after that, they blow up. But the Japanese culture and that, the, the um, it's get to that line at all costs. So um, you see some guys blowing up pretty hard and you think that oh geez maybe they should be off the side of the course some guys are limping pretty hard they're like yeah you think they're not going to make it but mm-hmm. they'll run until they can't run so yeah yeah they get to that get to that finish line at all costs so mm-hmm. um and they, they have cut off yeah. periods along the way though don't they so if they do blow up too they hard did. they get pulled off aren't they yeah and one of the australians um unfortunately um they were stopped by one of the cutoffs. So they were running a smart, even race. Mm. Um, they were on their time that they wanted to hit, but the cutoff bus came through and stopped them. So apparently he was six seconds over the cutoff time, which strangely their cutoff bus goes pretty much the same style as their their style of running. So it goes out faster than the the average pace. Um, so if you're running an average pace, I think the cutoff might have been about 2.30 pace to 40K, mm. and then you could probably walk it in after that. Um, but before then, it was something like the cutoff time maybe at 15K was equivalent to about 225, 226 okay. um, yeah. marathon pace. So. Yep. They they calculate that you go out hard and that you blow up. So mm. it was unfortunate that one of the Australian guys um, got pulled from the race because he said that he was he was actually feeling good and like he was running to the pace he wanted and just didn't account for that um, that bus coming through and coming through quicker than the uh, cutoff pace. So, okay, yep. yeah. So it's, it's, a, basically it's a bit for, unfortunate. Yeah, forcing the runners to sort of go through that first half quicker than they normally would rather than, you know, like run an even, an even race. Yeah, You're sort yeah. of forced to run through it quicker and then it gets yep. a little bit more generous towards the end of the marathon. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's not okay. really rewarding yeah, the guys yeah, who yeah. run it even and run mm. it smart. It's mm. kind of trying to force people to run faster mm. or out of their comfort zone and mm. maybe it's been tailored, um, tailored for the way the japanese run it then <laughs> yeah I, I think it i think it is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Mm. so yep now so, I, yeah, it was well, unfortunate yeah. it is it definitely is yep um so when you when i was when i was watching watching the tv 
you came off that front group. Um, I saw you sort of looking over your shoulder a couple of times, probably wondering, uh, you know, what's sort of happening behind you. There's any sort of little little packs to run with. So I was sort of hoping that um, another small chase pack would form, but I, I, I couldn't see because we lost uh, lost view of you eventually. But um, did that yeah. ever happen? Or because you know, I was worried that you're going to be stuck out there on your own in those terrible conditions and make it really hard. Like, did you have people to run with? Did you get a small pack at any stage? Well, there was small packs forming um, that were coming off that front pack. Yeah, but they weren't running an even when, pace. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I thought that when I first made the decision, yes, I need to probably run my own pace here because that uh, pace is getting a bit too hot and it's probably going to be um, detrimental to my um, to me qualifying mm. for the Olympics. So yeah. I made the decision to pull off to um, run my own pace and kind of tried to work with some guys which had fallen off the pack too and I felt controlled and running smoothly and I thought that they were on pace but they actually weren't so Mm. um, they were getting spat out the back because they'd blown up Um, so I worked with the pack and then realised that they were going too uh, too slow Mm. so um I'd make an effort to run down and chase down the next pack and try and work with them and Mm, then eventually I'd work out they were going too slow and Mm. this was pretty much happening right up until the 17k mark and I um, was like, this feels like we've slowed down a bit here. So Mm. at the 17k mark, I split my watch and ran, just kept running with the pack and then split it again at 18k and... I think it was about a, a 3.11 or a 3.12K for that. I'm just like, I can't continue with this pack because mm, mm. um, it's just going too slow and we're kind of running into the wind at that stage of the race. And, yeah, I just knew that I had to go from the 18K mark and just I was going to be solo after that. So yep. Um, yep. from the 18K mark onwards, it was just about running down people and just running past them and trying to stick to pace and stuff like that so um are you sort of running running on running on feel there i mean you've got to look at your watch every now and then but are you sort of keeping an eye on how you're going through those 1k splits or not looking at every 1k just sort of knowing that you're sort of holding it holding the pace uh well from after that 18th k i was just i started splitting my watch um every couple of k just to kind of see how i'm tracking and if i'm running to roughly the pace that I wanted or if I'm getting a bit too excited and running mm. a bit too hard or mm. or I need a bit of a, a kick in the bottom to try and get my pace going again. So I was splitting my watch a lot after that. Yeah, so, yeah. Do, you, um, do you know what your FICO splits were or what you went through halfway in? Or? I think my halfway split was um, 6450. Okay. Um, so... Just up, uh, just a little bit under two ten pace. Yeah, and how were you feeling then? You still felt in control. Felt pretty good. Yeah, I felt pretty good going yeah. through halfway. Mm. Um, and I thought, all right, I need to start picking it up and trying to um, get going again, just because we'd uh, slowed down a fair bit. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of knew that last half was going to be into the wind and especially after the 27k mark it was all all back to the track straight into the wind so 
I knew it was going to be a battle, so I just knew that I couldn't leak any more time after that 18k mark. So, mm, mm. Yeah. And yeah. Did you sort of have any rough patches out there, like when you you know started to sow the seeds of doubt, or the energy levels were pretty consistent? Oh, definitely. Um, there's definitely patches where I felt like um, it wasn't going to be. Um, just going off my splits, I'm assuming that the markers must have been out because I was, wasn't going to go off GPS because all the boys, when we got on the start line, our GPSs weren't loading. Um, and then I think Ben St. Lawrence, his GPS completely stuffed up. So I think he deleted his um, his splits on um, Strava and mm. then just entered it manually off what he did. So, um, yeah, I wasn't going to rely on gps splits so i was just splitting every k um and there's a few k's in there which um i think there's sections where it said that i was running about 303 pace or down towards three minute pace and then there's other splits which were saying 313 311 and i was getting quite concerned about those 311 313 splits so there was definitely some doubt in there that i wasn't going to make it and I knew that it was all all the way back to the track in the wind. So, mm. yeah, I was definitely concerned that I wasn't going to get that time in the end. Yeah, but that's, I guess, that's, that's more the splits and the watch sort of uh, telling you that maybe yeah. you're not going to make the time. But as far as your energy goes, did you actually feel and pretty good? I felt, yeah, pretty good. I felt pretty even throughout yeah. the whole race. Yeah. Um, like I was keeping it at a consistent pace. And mm, mm. I think going through my splits, I, I did keep it quite even, the pace. Um, yeah. Uh, nice. And, yeah, going through the splits, I think I was the fourth fastest over the last 15K or something like that. So okay. yep, 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 that's good. Yeah. So, so with um with about 5K to go, so I, I like watching the stream, had no idea how you were travelling. Um. So yeah, pretty uh, excited to see that uh, the now famous tradie fluorescent yellow singlet appear in the uh, <laughs> in the home straight with their clock because they were just showing the clock and people coming in. I'm just looking in the distance, waiting to see this yellow singlet, and, and then there yeah. it is, and the clock's still red two ten. And so it was uh, it was pretty exciting, mate. But did you did you ever dare to celebrate yourself with a few k's out, or was it just stay focused and make sure you get that qualifier? Oh, even with a few k to go. Um... I was still panicking that I wasn't going to get the pace. I was doing all the calculations through my head mm-hmm. where I was sitting and what time I was on and what time I needed to get certain certain splits or finishing times. Mm. And I think my last two or three Ks, I was running about maybe 310s, 315s, and mm-hmm. I'd done the calculations. I'm like, I need to get this last K going and try and work hard to get this last K mm. to put myself in that position, that number one spot to qualify. So yeah. um, I got going again and just yeah made sure made sure of it that I was going to get that time. Mm. So once you hit the track, you're you doing like 600 metres again or do you just come straight in? Yeah. yeah. It, it's another 600 on the tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, there's like a – they kind of fence it off that – um you're running in maybe lane five to lane eight 
Yeah, um, right. yeah. when you first enter the track and yeah. so that you means, go around that means you get to see the clock and then you can do a quick calculation <laughs> and know what yeah, you can run yeah, 400 yeah. in yeah exactly yeah so mm. there was the clock there and i think there was a clock with 200 to go as well and mm-hmm. i'd done the calculations and i kind of knew that i was in a good position to get that first qualifying spot so yeah, yeah. um yeah yeah, no, I saw the little uh, hip-high fist pump and it sounded like, <laughs> shit, yeah, so, oh, yeah, so, something like that. I was trying to read your lips, but, yeah, no, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what it was. I was kind of celebrating, but um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've heard a few people pay out on people celebrating when they're coming in whatever position, 15th oh, yeah. or something position, or tr- getting that qualifying standard, so I yeah. kept the... The fists down low and get a little celebration. <laughs> ah, yeah. sometimes if the emotions take over, then it doesn't really matter, mate. Like sometimes yeah. they're so emotional those marathon finishes, even for someone like you who's um done a few. And but yeah, no, it's awesome. Look, you, you jump from um, you may not be interested, but I love the facts that you jump from twentieth on the marathon all times list up to eleventh, um, and you're in the fastest marathon by an Australian in seventeen years. Uh, I think yeah, Nick Harrison ran two ten twenty two in over there in BY himself in O three. Um, yeah. So I know you're not really into uh, sort of blowing your own trumpet, but uh, it must be sort of very satisfying, um, you know, to finally run that two ten when uh, you know we mentioned before many times previously you've been running that pace in marathons, you know, only to have something sort of go wrong, you know, thinking back to those qualifying races for Rio in two thousand and sixteen, so. It must be just feeling awesome to finally get it done. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, just over the moon with with it going right. And I guess like even like most races I come, I kind of start getting blister issues or whatever else. And yeah. this race I had no blister issues or toenail issues at all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was just amazing to have things go right on the day. Yeah, did you, did you stay out of the roof cavities for the week leading into it, mate? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. had a little bit of time off work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to to train like those pros do, and yeah, sure. I kind of had that week leading into Lake B were off. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, with your nutrition, mate, you got that down pretty well standard these days. You're not you're not trialing anything different there. Um, pretty much know what you're going to do every marathon yeah pretty much i've got um just i basically every drink station which is the drink stations are usually five each 5k so Mm. 5 10 all the way through to the finish so you've got one at 40k and um i try and take a a drink at every drink station so one or two sips Mm. isn't is is enough of a sports drink or, um, or water um usually a, a sports drink maybe it used to be um maybe gastrolite or hydrolite mm. mixed with like beetroot juice and stuff like that but mm, mm. um this race this was actually the first race that i used morton mm, um okay. so um use that with a bit of beetroot juice and that so yeah mm-hmm. that, that seemed to go quite well and mm. i was happy with how the nutrition went um there was maybe it was the I think it was the 35k drink station. I went to try and grab a drink, but they had put my drink in the middle of all these other drinks, and 
I didn't end up grabbing that. Um, I tried to grab it, and then I think I knocked down half the table's drinks mm-hmm. trying to grab it. So, yeah, yeah. It um, yeah, it happens, and um, it is what it is, and that's mm. the way I treated it. I tried to ha- to grab it because I wanted it or needed it, mm. and couldn't get it. So that was that. Mm. Um, mm. And then the the last drink station, um, I opted not to get the drink just because. It was touch and go. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure I got to that line. Yeah, and for sure. I didn't, it wasn't slowing down yeah. in any section. So, yeah. 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 So, just the liquid calories, no gels or anything like that? I did have, um, I think I've had a gel at about the 15K mark. I just had two little, two little bits of gel. I might have had another one at maybe the 25K mark, too. Mm-hmm. So, just, um, just a tiny bit, mix it around the mouth and then yep. get it down a little bit. Yep. Um, I think at the 35K mark, I would have probably took on the gel again, but uh, didn't get the drink and yep. oh, it is what it is. But yep. I don't think that that really affected my race. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I was sort of um, interested to see, I don't know what feedback you've got on this, um, you know, obviously over there, US Olympic qualifier in Atlanta, you know, Nikes were handing out the alpha flyers and everyone was yeah. wearing them. But, um, yeah, at BYD, everyone's still wearing the old next percents, pinks and green shoes all over the place. And, and I couldn't spot one pair of alpha flyers. You got any, any idea why that? Uh, um, I would say that they're not readily available to everyone. So, mm. but I thought even those Nike, uh, Nike guys up front who are sponsored by them would be able to get a pair, you would think. There was, I did see about three or four alpha flyers in the race, okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So there was some guys up in the front pack which had them. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, others, I, yeah, from what I hear, they're pretty hard to get your hands on. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the Australian Nike-sponsored athletes, apparently they had to work quite hard to try and get themselves a, um, a pair Mm. But yeah, they're they're not really available or readily available at the moment. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so it's, a, um, it's a supply thing rather than a choice of shoe thing at pretty, this stage. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. I think yeah, yeah. I think a lot of guys would have worn them, but okay. yeah, they didn't have the chance to. Um, mm. Yeah, and I guess I guess that um, Olympic trial in the US. It's a bit of a marketing, a sports marketing type of exercise sure. to yep. get the shoes on everyone's feet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was offered a pair. That's a lot of pairs of shoes, like eight hundred pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and uh, I think I think quite a few people took took their pairs of shoes, and at the moment you're kind of seeing them online. And I was going to say that people like sell them eBay. for like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I noticed that they're selling for about. A bit over a thousand bucks, so people are buying them for over a thousand, and I I just can't justify um, paying a thousand bucks for a pair of shoes, which you might only get, you'll probably only get one marathon out of, and maybe a couple of other 10k races out of it Mm. until you need to get a new pair. So, yeah, Yeah. I wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna be spending that type of money on my shoes. Yeah, I I couldn't make out what you were wearing, some black shoe. What what would you wear that day? Um, I had the next percents on. Oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I the how I race. I, I wear the Chady singlet, and I just kind of black out 
all the other logos and oh, whatever okay. else. So mm-hmm. um, I blacked out my running shorts, which are added ass running shorts and, Fair enough. and stuff like that. So, and yeah. same with the shoes. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, hopefully someone comes knocking on the door, mate, and offers you some. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, just one more thing, nutrition, just because uh, yeah, the listeners love to hear about it. Um, what do you generally eat the night before and, and the morning of, mate? Uh, generally, the night before, I'm kind of looking towards your traditional type of pasta. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, that seems to be my um, choice of carbo load. Yeah. But um, over in Japan they didn't have many pasta restaurants where we were so and quite a few of the guys decided to that they would prefer rice instead so we went some rice dishes it was um we just mainly had plain rice and i had a few things on the side to give it a little bit of flavor um and i think a lot of us didn't really have stomach issues Uh, we usually I don't know, you get the race nerves and stuff like that and need to go to the toilet a fair bit. But, yeah, I think a lot of us, um, our stomachs were pretty settled. So, mm. I don't know, maybe maybe there might be something to it. Maybe it might be better to have rice dishes instead of pasta in yeah, the future. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, that was my, my dinner or well, the dinners that I had the two nights leading into the marathon and yeah. – uh, Usually, I'm not a big fan of um, having breakfast the morning of a race, so I kind of don't want to run the risk of getting a stitch and having stomach problems. So, mm. um, when I get to a race, I'm kind of having – oh, well, I'll usually put something beside my bed, and um, if I wake up in the night, I usually have like – whatever it is i think i had croissants so uh, every time i woke up the night before the race i was having something to eat and trying to justify that as the reason why i woke up was to have something to eat and usually i can get usually i get back to sleep pretty quickly but at lake biwa i probably had the one of the worst um sleeps that i've had before a race in a very long time so it didn't work this little trick didn't work this okay. time, so yeah, yeah. Oh, well, the but yeah, was there, mate. Was I think a... <laughs> I think throughout the night I had about five or six croissants. Yeah, right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so you caught up with the other Aussies while you're over there before or after? Or had a couple. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we um we had a bit of a a group going into. I had a bit of a group message. I, I made a group message to everyone yeah. going into the race. Okay. And um, this was pretty early on when the coronavirus started and I kind of suggested uh, to the boys that it might be best to try and not get a flight which goes through China, Hong Kong and stuff like that. And if you can, maybe do just pay the extra 100 or 200 bucks to kind of get a more direct flight and pretty much everyone else had had the same thoughts and they wanted to fly direct too. So I sent that message and then after that we started, we weren't sure of absolutely everyone who was doing Lake Biwa, but eventually you'd find out information about more people doing Biwa. So they were added to the group and we were through 
that group were trying to organize accommodation, so who was sharing rooms with each other and stuff like that. So we were just sharing information and stuff like that whenever it comes to hand. And um, like even when we're going to dinner, we'd just send a message what everyone was wanting and stuff like that. And we did do a lot of stuff together pre-race and post-race yeah. um, as a group. So, yeah. yeah, it was a great group that we had and met a few new guys. And, yeah, they, they made it a really good, memorable trip for me. Yeah, oh, unreal, mate. All right, let's let's uh, let's go back to your training block leading in, mate. Um, I guess you know when did when did that sort of start, and did you do anything different with your prep than than you'd done previously? Um, oh, so yeah, I guess I guess we'll go back to last time I spoke to you. So that was leading into Berlin Marathon. It was that week, yep. And I was talking about the chest infection and yep. And basically said that I didn't feel like I was going to have a good run, and I was most likely it was most likely going to end up in a DNF. Um, and then that ended up being the case. So I kind of got to about 30k, um, fell off pace. So I basically used that race as a, a free hit. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to run well, but I just had paid all that money to go to that race. So I thought it's a three free hit to try and get the qualifying standard and if I don't get the standard then so be it so um yeah missed that free hit and um after that I was just trying to get the health right so had a couple of weeks off and then tried to start building up and getting back into training again and um once once I was starting to get back into it we were absolutely getting smashed at work so um my mileage from about october through to the second week so midway through december i was probably only doing about 60k per week just because i was absolutely smashed with work exhausted stressed out and yeah the running just had to take a back seat for that time of the year and it was disappointing because i had races that i wanted to do through that period and just couldn't couldn't get the training in to do it. So it was probably about December where I started training and I got my first 100K week just after that, about mid-December. And I had put in an application for Lake Biwa. Um, so that was the goal to try and train up for that. But I just was behind in where I needed to be for training for that. So I kind of was looking for other races um, around that January period. I was kind of looking for other races that might be good or better options to try and qualify, but um, sent a few inquiries and got, got the big no. So I was kind of forced to do um, Lake BUR and that was going to be a really short prep. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so you're, Sort of trying to get another race over Lake BY just because Lake BY can have some average conditions and may not run fast. You're trying to find something a bit quicker? Uh, no, nah, not necessarily. It was mainly because it was going to be a short prep and I was going to have to have everything go right. And yeah, okay. December, that de- December, um, January period, as you know, um, 
it was absolutely horrible for running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was early January. I was up in Sydney doing a bit of training out west, and every single day it was smoke. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just horrible conditions. There were some days where I actually didn't run just because the smoke was so bad. So uh, I was panic mode early in January thinking that if I get more days where it's just horrible with smoke, um, it's just really stopping my training and I'm not going to get the quality I need to get into, um, to get to good shape for Lake Biwa. So I was looking forward to other in the future towards other yeah. races and giving gotcha. myself a little bit more time to get into mm. some good fitness. So. Mm. Is that, got put, re- is that in Great London or you, you couldn't get oh. in? Oh, I won't name the race. Okay, um, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. So, so yeah, I'll, I was just looking at another big race where mm. there's going to be guys shooting for that 210 or mm. that Olympic qualifying standard and yep. I did did have one that I wanted to do but, yeah, couldn't get in. Sure. Um, so it is what it is but mm. that kind of – forced me to just really knuckle down and fortunately i had organized um to do a full week to have four weeks off work and train like a professional and once i knew that i wasn't getting into this other race i kind of knuckled down and just had a month of training where i just yeah everything went really well and i was just doing crazy mileage and recovering really well um yeah i think i average for the four weeks it was um 243.8 k per week which is probably the most i had ever done before that was the highest mileage week i'd ever done before and i had averaged it for four weeks in a row um and just recovering fine i guess (laughs) i guess my um, period leading into Gold Coast Marathon where I was working full-time mm. and trying to get some good hard training in, I was probably only averaging about 180K weeks yeah, yeah, and yeah. and working 45-hour weeks. So yeah, yeah. I felt like I was recovering a lot better training as a professional than yeah. what I was whilst working. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a really good period that four four mm-hmm. weeks and that got me into pretty good shape but after that four weeks of training at falls creek i went back to the normal swing of things back in melbourne so mm. back to reality normal life and it basically i've had a little two weeks where i was still training i was r- nailing my sessions and did a couple of races and w- was running well but i felt like i'd been beaten up so it felt like even just my biceps in my arms, like I'd been punched in the arms. They were like mm. corkies and yeah. I was a little bit sore and a little bit flat and I was still training well, but I was a bit concerned that I was a bit cooked. But mm. uh, the res- the results leading into BWAR and the, the sessions that I was doing kind of said the opposite and said that I was in pretty good shape. So, okay. yeah, I was conf- confident with how I was going to run at Lake Biwa, but the conditions and a few other things kind of got my confidence down leading into it. So, yeah. yeah. Did you have some guys to run with up at Falls or you just up there mainly on your own or? 
Uh, I was by myself, so I was supposed to go up early January to Falls Creek, but mm. it got evacuated the day that I was supposed to go up, so yep. they postponed my um, accommodation until the mountain reopened. So when it reopened, um, I think there's probably about 12 guys which came back up the mountain to start training again and about five or six of them um, cracked it after about two or three days just because of the smoke and went back to Melbourne and stuff like that. So after about a week or two, I was pretty much solo. There was another runner, Ben Kelly, up there, but he was going back to to and to and from Melbourne to t- do races and stuff like that. So yeah. a lot of our training wouldn't line up, but we did do a lot of jogs together and stuff like that. So yeah. it was kind of solo up there. Mm. Oh, it's awesome. 240 a week at altitude. Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. Um, yeah. Look, 2.10.48, fastest qualifying time out of the Aussies, as I mentioned, uh, Brett Robinson sitting in second there with that 2.10.55 and, and, and Jack Rayner 2.11.06 that they ran in London last year. Um, yep. So that's the three fastest at the moment. Now, obviously, it's worth mentioning this coronavirus gig that's going around that's causing havoc yeah. all over the globe. Um, there's lots of marathons that were coming up that have been cancelled or postponed. Um you know, there's still question marks over, over a lot of the ones coming up. So I guess for one, it feels good for you to actually have that um, spot sort of, uh, you know, get the get the QT and also have that number one spot there. Probably a bit, uh, bit yeah. safer uh, now than under normal circumstances because it's going to be difficult yeah. for those guys to find to find a race. Um, I see hamburgers cancelled. Uh, Czech Republic's just gone into 30-day lockdown. So, um, yeah. Prague may or may not be on on the 3rd of May. But, um, yeah, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on all this? Oh, it's, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um, well, leading into our race, um, a few of the boys were quite concerned that our race was going to get cancelled because of what happened in Tokyo. So mm, the mass mm. participation got cancelled, but they, mm, they mm. did run the elites. But yep. Um, yep. I was there reassuring the boys that it's a elite race there's only there's less than 300 athletes in it so um that it was most likely going to go ahead like there wasn't we weren't going to have any issues but um from what i had heard the organizers were under a fair bit of pressure to kind of cancel the race um but they didn't want to cancel it they wanted the race to go ahead and they had they implemented things like they had told the crowds not to line the streets um they're all supposed to stay indoors and and stuff like that um they had cancelled the 1k race for the little kids um and then there was like i think there was supposed to be a bit of a function after the race um for the for everyone and there were all the top eight or top 10 were going to get their awards on stage and it was going to be a little bit of a presentation and a function but that got cancelled too so they did that presentation directly after the race um but yeah apparently it was looking highly unlikely for our race too so we were very lucky to get Mm. um our race done and especially if it might have been a week later 
with mm. all these other races getting cancelled, it probably would have been cancelled too. So mm. it's very unfortunate and it's it's not good. You, you want everyone to have their, their opportunities to do their races and stuff like that. Some, some guys are spending four... Uh, few thousand dollars to try and get overseas to get these qualifying standards yep. some get some get looked after others have to pay their way mm. and even if they're even if they're not paying their way they're spending three months or four months of training dedicated towards these races and to have the opportunity to have their qualifying race for the olympics taken away from them yep. their, their only opportunity is yeah that's horrible so yep, yep. um I, I pray that these other races go on and that these boys get their opportunity to do these races yep. but it's not look it's not looking good um so. yeah well may, maybe they'll do what they did with you know london do what they do with tokyo make it elite only so at least you know the boys get a chance yeah you know? i think i'm hoping that's the bare, bare minimum we can get yeah I think they are looking towards that, and I hope yeah. that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a few other guys, a, f- a few other Australians, which they couldn't get into the elite field, so That's they right. won't get the opportunity to race. And no. and then I've been hearing these stories that um, people will be trying to do the race regardless. So if they have it as a, an elite-only race... Mm people are still going to swarm the streets and run behind the elites. So I think for that fact, people are going to do that. And I think if people do that, then the masses will do that. So you'll have at least maybe 5,000 people lining the streets and still running regardless, even though they're told not to. Hmm. Um, I think that'll put put it in jeopardy for the elites at London. So Hmm. hopefully, hopefully... The coronavirus doesn't get worse there, and they get yeah. to—they all get to run. The masses get to run, and all that. But yeah. I don't know. It's uh, the confidence is going down day by day. Um, Correct. Yeah, that's right. Just for the fact that it seems like everything is shutting down. Economies are all shutting down. Just, um, and they're kind of trying to force people to only go to shops or out in public if they have to so and for the fact that this is all happening i'm getting a bit nervous that the olympics might not happen which yeah will be devastating (laughs) oh look yeah definitely mate i didn't know if i really wanted to talk about that but yeah (laughs) i mean look yeah i just i can't think of anything worse um for the athletes and for yourself um but, um, you know, obviously Japan are holding yeah. very, very strong on yeah. that and they don't even want to whisper the idea. Um, yeah, well, yeah. reality, it is a reality yes. and it is a high possibility. Yeah. But from what I've seen over in Japan, they had a fair few cases early on. Mm. But the way that they manage society and stuff like that, I think when I was there, Eight out of ten people would be wearing masks, and at every single shop yeah. that you go into, there was alcoholic sprays that you could use for your hands, um, even at train stations. So they yeah. are managing it really well over there, and everyone abides by the guidelines. Whereas in countries like Australia, 
there's no guidelines and there's a bit of a there's a bit of that arrogance like oh we'll be all right she'll be all right let's not worry about it until it happens mm. and 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 basically when it happens it's too late so yeah, yeah. um well, Japan, they've, they've, they've certainly bought all the toilet rolls mate if you got a roll <laughs> you can send me up mate i'm getting a bit low <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was no um shortage of toilet rolls over in japan i can tell you yeah, that yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um you reckon, I was only thinking, but I can't imagine they could do this, but I'm thinking they'd still make a lot of money out of TV rights and all the athletes still get to perform. Would they ever consider doing it, you reckon, without without a crowd? I, I reckon that's um, a possibility. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, mm. I think if, if they've been pressured to try and cancel the event, I think they should mainly look towards doing that they'd still get lots of money out of TV rights and stuff mm. like that. So, mm. um, And there's talk of about other professional sports playing games in front of no crowd and whatever else. So That's right, I think yeah. that, that that could be a possibility and something mm. that they might have to consider. Yeah. Hopefully they don't have to consider it and it doesn't get that bad. But, mm. Mm. yeah, I, I'd hope that they'd consider that first before trying to cancel it. Correct, yeah. Or, you know, second best option would be put it on next year but uh but yeah. yeah but then but then if they did that um the people who qualify do they still get the opportunity and yeah i guess there's uh, all that isn't there yeah does it reset the qualification period um mm, and mm. if that's the case are we still having those issues of races being cancelled because of coronavirus still lingering and yeah, yeah I, I don't know yeah, it's yeah. too complicated for me to think yep. that far ahead Yep, yep. Well, you got the um. Well, you've got the qualifying time. I won't say you got the single yet, but you're looking pretty good. So you've done all you yep. can do at this stage, mate. The rest is out of your control. Um, yep, I was thinking it. about you know you know, not, might not be our sort of preview with this info, but uh, you know Jack Rayner's you know he got that stress fracture after New York, and um, he's only just practically started jogging a few weeks ago. Would he even though he's got that qualifying time? Would he have to sort of prove his fitness before he um got the single, or how, how would that work? <sighs> Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm really not sure. I think in past teams, they've made people prove their fitness. Mm. Um, I guess the times that they've set for people to prove their fitness previously, I think Jack Rayner could do that half fitness and walk it in the park. So yeah, um, I think they've they've had times where people have to prove their fitness and maybe run a, a 30 minutes and 30 second 10k or something like that oh, okay and right right i think i think those boys would do that in a threshold so mm. i don't think he'd have an issue if it was a half marathon then um i think the times that they used to set he'd still walk that in the park but uh, then again it's a it's a it's going to be taken away from his training and yeah. his preparation. So ideally, you wouldn't want that to be the case. And yeah. I think what they'd probably have to do um, is just maybe look at his training. And go, yeah, you're in good shape. Yeah. We're not going to make we're not going to make you change your training or change your preparation to try and run a qualifying uh, a thing to prove your fitness. So yeah. okay. let's just hope that um, yeah, hopefully everything's everything's great and 
he's yep. getting back to some pretty good shape right now, and that's not the case. So yep. he yep. doesn't have to worry about that type of thing. So yep. yeah, yeah, sure. All right, mate. From from now till uh, I guess end of August, September, all going well. What's the training look like? Are you sort of a? Uh, I mean, it's going to be warm over there, so back in the heat chamber, maybe some more altitude training. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll do a bit of heat, a bit of altitude. Um, still trying to work out how I would do it. Um, mm. I think I'll probably have to have a bit of time off work and go to America or something like that, do mm, some altitude mm. and some heat training, or mm-hmm. or maybe look at another option. Um, mm. Have you done like Boulder or Flagstaff over the years? I've done Flagstaff a couple of times, and that's just incredible going. I've also been to Boulder too, and both towns are incredible to go train. Um, I kind of feel that Boulder's the very sporty town where Mm. everyone seems to be fit and healthy and outdoors, and Flagstaff's just got a million trails that you can do and a lot of the elites go there because it's a pretty good venue too so they're both really good options um so yeah i'll I'll have to look to see um how long i'll do as a stint overseas and i don't know who knows they've got a band to to and from europe at the moment so maybe Mm. there's going to be a band to and from australia soon so Mm. maybe that's not not going to be an option so Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have to do a few sessions or training training runs per week down at the uh, local university's heat chambers. Yep. So yep. I did that last time for Rio Olympics, so that could be another option. Um, sure. But ideally, um, Melbourne winters, not motivating <laughs> to get out there and do runs, especially when you're coming back from work and Yep. You're getting out, doing a run, and it's 6 or 6.30, and it's wet, miserable, cold. No one else is out there running around the river, and you're doing it in the dark and getting home at, I don't know, 8.30, 9 p.m. at night, and, yeah, just doing your standard cycle. Mm. Um, I kind of feel that I probably need a four-week or five-week period away from work and where I'm training like the other professionals do. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, that that'll give myself the best option to run, run yeah. well, and do the best for the Australian team if I have yeah. a bit of time off. Yeah. yeah. Did you bring your boss back a gift from Japan? Mate? <laughs> <laughs> I think the the result is is the gift. Um, awesome. Yeah, they they gave me time off work, and mm-hmm. I'm super super appreciative of that. So, and yes. I think they're super happy with my results. So, yeah, they've been good supports of mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about any races, any of the, the normal fun runs or you know, City Surf or I don't know, Gold Coast Half or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'll look at those ones. Uh, yep. I think I'll probably... I'm Sydney starting to, I'm half, doing, maybe? Yeah, I'll do that one again, and I, he, I hear a rumour that Brett's doing it. So, um, oh, awesome. It'll, it, it's looking good for a fast race. Mm. Um, mm. So I'll I'll look at maybe doing run for the kids in a couple of weeks' time. Yep. Just start getting back into it again. Um, do that. Uh, then it'd probably be Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon would be the next race. Yep. Um, after that, the Launceston 10's back on. So yep. I'll be looking to go down and do that, try and get a fast 10K. And, um, yeah, yep. I guess if everything's still on um, for the Olympics, then um, I feel that, Gold Coast Half Marathon should be a good 
good solid hit out towards um, going to the Olympics. So, yeah, I'll be looking at that race too. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Mate, and uh, a great time of year. Round one kicks off next Thursday night, the G. Uh, <laughs> the Blues up against yeah. the, uh, the mighty premiers, the Tigers. Um, yeah. I was thinking, mate, am I going to see uh, Liam out there tossing the coin, mate? You know, like, <laughs> it would be great, well, you know, just get a bit of focus back on us runners. Oh, you'd, you'd never see that, ever. Oh, never say um, never, mate, never say never. <laughs> yeah, get out I'll, there, be, I'll be at the event. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got tickets to the game, so I bought some tickets. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of concerned that the, the, the game oh, might be it. done towards... <laughs> There, there might not be a crowd there, so. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Um, who knows? Who knows how bad it's going to get in the next week or so, and. Yeah, 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 yeah. The measures that they'll put in. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. I was confident, confident about the game before we started doing preseason games, so yeah, I'm not okay. confident that will go too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. Ah, it's always, yeah. it's always a great night to kick off the season, anyway. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's good to have the footy back. Yeah. It is, mate. It is. It is. Um, yeah, I get a bit more tired on Sunday mornings now, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. I, I love the footy. Oh, mate, look, yeah. thanks so much, mate, for giving up your time again, um, chatting once again. Uh, best prep, mate, for Tokyo. And, um, yep, cheers. Yeah, huge congrats once again, Liam. Just, uh, we're all so happy for you, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks for that. No worries, mate. And, um, yeah, we'll chat again possibly uh, post-Olympics, mate. Yep, fingers crossed. For sure, mate. All right, Liam. All the best, mate. Cheers. All right. See ya. See you, mate.